Hey, what's going on, guys? Um, I wanted to uh, pop in real quick and uh, hit you guys with a Black Wealth Confession. Uh, Black Wealth Confessions is something that we do where we allow you to send me your confession, uh, almost like you're confessing to a priest, and you can tell me uh, your mistake anonymously uh, so that other people can learn from it. As you know, uh, Black Wealth is important to me. It's something that's very important for our community, and it's something where I believe that we should uh, have kind of an each one, teach one kind of philosophy where uh, your mistakes can be somebody else's benefit, where everybody can learn from each other and uh, find some way to grow from uh, the mistakes of other people. And so uh, anyway, uh, so uh, basically I had um, some confessions sent over to me uh, that um, I want to read out loud, and then I'm going to respond to the confessions. And uh, also, if you have a confession you'd like to submit, you can actually submit it to blackwealthconfessions.com. Now, if you're watching this video live, you may wonder why I'm up at three o'clock in the morning. Uh, it's because ambition never sleeps. Uh, you know, I, my philosophy is uh, if you want a little bit, of, a little bit of free game on how to be successful, don't let anybody else define your parameters of when you work and when you don't work. You know, if I, my rule is very basic. When I'm sleepy, I take a nap. Uh, when I am um, awake I and I want to do something, I do it. Uh, I don't care what time it is. Um, if it's if it's two o'clock in the afternoon and I want to take a nap, then I'll take a nap. Uh, but if it's you know three o'clock in the morning and I feel like, hey, I'm, I'm ready to do something, I, I get up and I go do it. Right. So uh, so don't don't let anybody sort of put you on this weird, you know, nine to five track or, or you only work Monday through Friday or whatever. I, I never did that. Even in college. Uh, a lot of my friends used to make fun of me because I would I would go study 10 o'clock at night on a Saturday uh, in the library. And people would be like, why would, why are you there? And you should be, you know, you should be at the party. You should be at the step show. And I'd be like, why would I do that? You know, I'm not going to be a professional stepper. There's nothing at that step show that's going to help me to actually reach my goals. Uh, parties are boring to me. You know, you see everybody sitting around and you see the same people and they're standing around holding their drink. Can't even, can't even have a good conversation because the music's too loud. So it's just little things like that that I encourage you to kind of consider in terms of going your own path. Don't let other people tell you what your path is supposed to be. That's, that's actually my, my advice for today in terms of um, just kind of a way to view life where I think you're going to be happier that way, kind of doing what you want to do. Now um, do me a favor, hit the thumbs up button, hit the share button, hit the subscribe button. And the URL for black wealth confessions is on the screen. If you're watching on Instagram, uh, if you want to see, see it spelled out or you want to watch, see the video on YouTube, you can actually go to, um, go to financial TV.com. So anyway, let me uh, go ahead and just read the confession to you. And, uh, and, uh, and then I'll kind of respond real quick. And um, let me see here. So this, the first one that I got is from a brother. He says, I'm 27 years old with a $30,000 net worth. Um, I had a lot of passions and goals in life, but never went for them. I uh, fully either due to a lack of income, knowledge, money, or confidence. I'm entering the fourth quarter of my 20s with some savings, but no education or exceptional job prospects or entrepreneurial opportunities. I see my main options as either to keep grinding it out, go to school and finish my degree, which would take another two to two to two and a half years or start over with a different degree for four years. OK. All right. So uh, first thing I'll say is uh, twenty seven thousand dollars with a thirty thirty thousand dollar net worth is actually not that bad. Uh, there are a lot of people that are 27 years old that have a negative $100,000 net worth because their student loans have actually accelerated. Student loans are one of the greatest black wealth killers in history. Uh, there's probably a trillion dollars in black wealth that's been destroyed 
uh, by us going to college. It doesn't mean college is a bad thing. It doesn't mean college is a bad thing. But what it does mean is that uh, you have a lot of black students that go to college and can't pay their debt. Half of all black college graduates default on their student loans. And I have to reiterate that because I don't think people understand how heavy that is, how imp- how significant of a statement I just made uh, that that is, you know, that basically that means that your talented 10th, your smartest people, these are your hoity-toity black people, the ones that are supposed to be the ones who get us out of this oppression thing, right? These are your superheroes. Your superheroes are actually creating more debt than the people who um, who aren't considered to be superheroes. You know, so it's like uh, it's like going to the NBA finals and somebody saying that LeBron James scored 40 points for the other team. If LeBron James scores 40 points for the other team, give me a yes or no if you understand the, the gravity of that statement that basically you're, you're, you're hustling. You're not just going backward. You're hustling backward. Right. So you're not. So say, think about this, right? It's one thing if I'm not, if I'm in a race, imagine me in a race, if I'm running slower than the other team, that's bad. Right now, if I'm sitting still, that's really bad. Right. Cause they're moving. And I'm sitting still. If I'm going backward, that's super bad. If I'm going backward really fast, really rapidly, because I think I'm the fastest one on the track then that's that's a, a that's a nightmare. You understand? So this is four levels of bad. This is not just like, oh, that's a bad thing. It's like, no, this is disastrous. Like this is absolutely disastrous when it comes to black wealth. And I don't think everybody sees it that clearly because we don't get that sort of conversation being had in other places. I've been a college professor for over 27 years. I have a PhD in finance. I told you guys this. I repeat this because I want you to understand what that means. It's like being a it's like being a heart surgeon. A heart surgeon is not a dietitian, not a general practitioner. A heart surgeon is somebody that understands details that, that a lot of people may may miss. So when I look at the anatomy, when I've studied in, you know on a scientific level the anatomy of the racial wealth gap, student loans is one of the greatest culprits that there is. So uh, so with that being said, the fact that this brother is twenty seven with a thirty thousand dollar net worth puts him ahead of most African Americans. Isn't that crazy? He, he's thinking I'm, I'm way behind. You know, that's what happens a lot of times. We think, well, I didn't go to college, so I'm behind. Well, let me tell you a little secret. I talked to my cousin today who didn't go to college, and he's a multi, multi, multi-millionaire. He's 33 years old. You know, and, and how did he get there? Well, as, as a black man, he didn't take the standard model. He didn't take some model that says, I'm going to go to college and go deep in debt, and hopefully a white guy is going to give me a job that's going to help me to find a way to get ahead. You know what he did? He started his own business, and he got really good with technology. Sat down at a computer, learned how to program some languages, and the next thing you know, he's making you know fifty thousand, hundred thousand dollars a month. In fact, he's involved uh, right now with a twenty-five million dollar venture. Uh, you know, so he's got a chance to uh, you know become a multi you know be worth over a hundred million dollars by the time he's done. Right. This is how you get those big pieces of chicken, so to speak. This is where you get the big opportunities. And a lot of people don't understand that. You don't get that from rapping. You don't get that from playing basketball. You don't get that from going to college, typically. You get that from, typically for black folks, it's entrepreneurship and investing that'll get you there. So for this brother, what I would say to you is, if you say your confidence isn't quite there, uh, that's okay. A lot of people don't have confidence that they need. And, And especially in your 20s, you're young. You got a lot of years ahead of you. Go get some confidence, you know, go and literally get on the Internet and study how to have confidence. Read a book, read an article, a couple articles on how to be more confident. Uh, go to seminars on how to be more confident. Uh, you know, go, go you know, study yourself and find yourself so you can be your best self. And then when you show up as your best self, you're going to find yourself succeeding at a level that you never expected before. My transition, the greatest transition in my life came at the worst time of my life 
when I was 28 years old, when I was 28 years old, my 20, 28, yeah, 28, my life had hit complete rock bottom, complete total rock bottom in every area that you can imagine. And uh, that was actually literally my greatest year of my life because that was the year when I just said, I'm going to pull all the stops off and I'm going to go to a whole different level. Sometimes you got to die to really be reborn again. You know, sometimes you got to go to hell to get to heaven. You understand what I'm saying? Sometimes, sometimes you really have to, like the old you has to really die an ugly death for a new you to be born because you got to get tired of being sick and tired. You got to really get to the point where you just can't take it anymore and you're going to do whatever it takes in order to get to the next level. So, uh, so that's okay that you're going through the struggle because that's, that's what's going to make you great. That'll be part of your testimony. Uh, and then after you go and you learn how to get that confidence and self-love, because a lot of confidence is really built on self-love. It's self-love and self-acceptance where you can accept yourself even even though you're not perfect. Stop believing that other people are better than you. Stop believing that other people have something special that you don't have or that they're perfect and you're not. That's just not true. You're going to make a mess up. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to come up short. You're going to I come up short all the time. I make mistakes all the time. I get clowned all the time. Now, how do you think I deal with the fact that I know that the more attention I get, the more I get clowned by lots and lots of people? And how do I keep going? How do I just ignore it and keep walking? Well, because I know that I know that there's stuff about me to clown just like but but you're a clown, too. We're all a bunch of clowns trying to be as serious as we can possibly be. So let's just keep on. Keep it going. OK, so don't give up on yourself. Believe in yourself. So do me a favor, by the way, hit the thumbs up button, hit the share button, hit the subscribe button. And also, uh, I want to remind you guys that on Tuesdays, uh, if you're watching this live, you'll know that on Tuesday mornings at 11 a.m. Eastern, we have stock market investing class. And uh, if that's something that, that is of interest to you, uh, that's where we just talk about stocks. And you guys answer, ask me a million questions and I answer every question that's submitted in advance. And uh, and you can actually join the blackstockmarketprogram.com. So I tell you all the stocks I'm picking. I tell you, you have five years of curricula that you can go through. And so uh, feel free to go to the blackstockmarketprogram.com and I'll put the URL on the screen. OK, so let me pull up the next uh, uh, the next Black Wealth Confession. Uh, if you hit the thumbs up button while I do that, I'd appreciate that. The next Black Wealth Confession is this. It says, I have an associate's degree in computer science. I luckily attended a community college with a dual joint program to a four-year school. I make about 25K a year as a driver. Uh, work is not hard, like picking hard stuff, but not really learning a new skill. I'm a single black male and I plan to visit Vietnam to a private labeling business. What should I do? Okay, so you have an associate degree in computer science, but you're a driver. So I'd be curious to know uh, how you ended up as a driver, you know, with the associate's degree in computer science. So maybe that means that if you want to do computer science, maybe you need to get a little bit more advanced training in your field in order to go to the next level. And so um, I would encourage you to uh, maybe explore what that looks like. You know, what extra skill set do you need in order to uh, go to the next level? Uh, economically, uh, you know, in terms of what you actually love to do. And there's stuff you can actually learn online. Online learning is kind of the new trend. Um, a lot of people that want advanced degrees, they don't go back to school anymore unless you need a license, a professional license. Like you want to be a nurse, a social worker, an attorney, a, a medical doctor, a dentist, things like that. You need a professional license for. But if you just need to learn the skill, uh, there, there are lots of great teachers online that can show you that. Um, let's see here now going to Vietnam for a private labeling business. That sounds interesting. Now, I, don't, I didn't know you had to go to Vietnam to do private labeling, but um, I will say because I know people that have private label businesses right here in the United States. Uh, my daughter actually does some stuff like that in that area. Uh, and it's it's lucrative. It's something that really works if you do it right. And so uh, maybe that's worth exploring, um, you know, but but I don't know why you have to go to Vietnam 
in order to do that, though. That's the part that I'm a little bit confused by. But I think you have a good plan. Um, I think whatever you do, uh, focus on it. You know, be committed to it. Just kind of know that it's not going to happen quickly. Like, it's not like you're going to just hop right into the class and start making a lot of money. It takes like a commit committed effort to one thing to get it done. So make sure you're working with somebody and learning from somebody who can really show you what you need to know. Need to know. Uh, now, Mike Bowers, uh, thank you for your donation, by the way. Thank you for supporting the platform. Uh, he says, uh, thanks for your work, King. Well, thank you, King. I appreciate your support for the channel. In case you guys don't know, we are building black media and we want, we believe that black media should be uh, more productive, more positive for our people, uh, that media should be beneficial for our people, that our children should be uh, receiving the right ideas and not the wrong ideas. And that's why sometimes you see me get into public disputes with, you know, with some of the rappers, you know, I challenge them. Lil Nas X, that, that's the latest guy. And, and I just, you know, I don't hate the guy. I just said, you know, look, man, we got, we got to do better. We can't just uh, continue to watch our community just fall apart in front of us and not say anything. So I'm really looking for all the other people that agree with this. Uh, and uh, your support is really critical. And so that means even if it's sharing a video, if you can commit to that, uh, you know, hitting the like button, subscribe button, stuff like that, just being active in terms of supporting on some level, uh, we'd appreciate that. And of course, if you come to the Black Business School, we'll take really good care of you. We have a great staff of amazing people from our community who will give you everything you need to get ahead. We work with experts in all backgrounds, we have um we have a hotel investing mastermind right now, for example, where a group of hotel experts are showing people how to buy hotels and they're actually letting them join their investment, um, their investment moves like they're actually taking these deals and they're they're putting the money on and they're bringing the students along with them. So you can feel free to uh, take a look at some of the stuff we have in the Black Business School. So that's a good way uh, if you want, if you believe in the mission. All right. So let me see here. The next uh the next uh, question, by the way, if you have a confession you want to leave or something like that, you can actually leave it at blackwealthconfessions.com. I'll put it up on the screen uh, so you guys can uh, see the URL. Let me see if I can find it. Um, I'll, I'll find it. And once I find it, I'll put it up here. All right. So the next uh, Black Wealth Confession that I received is it says, Assalamu alaikum, doctor. I'm a math teacher who is 100K in student loan debt. I was told that because I'm a math teacher, my loans would be forgiven. Well, the Fed loan has a loop loophole. They don't tell you about, which has stopped my forgiveness. Now I owe 120 months of payments while still while staying in, in my field of public school education before the loans are canceled. I'm making sure my sons don't make this mistake. How do I? But how do I save, invest, and retire on a teacher's salary? Okay, uh, well, you know, a few th- a few thoughts come to mind. First of all, be careful with those student loan programs. You know, they 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 love to promise student loan forgiveness or whatever. And the truth is, most of the time there is some sort of um, you know, there, there, there usually is some sort of loophole that you got to watch out for. You know, um, I've just seen that happen a thousand times. Um, I don't really trust those programs. Um, to be quite honest, I don't completely trust the government. I don't think they have the be- your best interest at heart. Uh, it doesn't mean they're always terrible people all the time, but I don't trust them uh, in that regard. I don't, you know, that's why, for example, in the Black Business School, we don't take money from the government. Uh, we also don't take money from corporations. Uh, we just, if we can't do it uh, grassroots, then we don't want to do it. And so, you know, with, with with student loan forgiveness thing, I'm sorry that it happened that way. 120 uh, months of payments is a big deal. That's 10 years. That's a decade of your life. That's one of the big things, reasons I hate student loans so much is because you're talking about years of your life. And I remember going through that dilemma where I sat around thinking, you know, God, okay, I got this job. And if I pay these loans consistently for, you know, 30 years, I can pay them, pay them off. And 
I was like, no, this isn't, <laughs> this isn't, this isn't it. This isn't what I want to do. So one suggestion I would throw at you for sure is the suggestion I gave to my daughter, who's also a school teacher, who's very good at what she does. As I said, um, the best way to conquer a lot of debt is not just to cut costs, uh, but really is to find a way to make extra money. Uh, every person, every black person in America should, uh, um, as a as really as a matter of economic religion, take the time to learn how to create an alternative stream of income. Just, I mean, that literally should be like a religion for you because that is critical for your survival. The riskiest place in the world you could be is to have one stream of income. Uh, so what does that mean? What are some ways to do that? Well, first of all, um, getting into investment groups and investment clubs and or even classes or organizations where there are other like-minded people, because uh, everybody doesn't get it. You know, a lot of our people just sit there, they sit there and they, they expose themselves economically. And then when things go wrong, they whine about how hard it is to be black. And I and I, I my heart goes out to those individuals. But um, I was taught that if you want to prepare for a disaster, you have to be proactive, not just reactive. You can't just react to what happened to you. You have to proact to what might happen to you if you're not careful. You follow what I'm saying? You get what I'm saying? Um, and uh, and the other thing, too, that uh, you can do is little things that people overlook that people laugh about, you know, like uh, when I, when, you know, when I got married, I had a lot of people that applauded, you know, me marrying my wife and I just love her to death. And I think she's awesome. Um, but, but, you know, but, but I had some people who didn't understand it. They're like, well, that doesn't make any sense. Why would you do that? You know, why, when you could just, you know, like, I guess, I guess they think I'm supposed, cause I'm famous or whatever. I'm supposed to just go and mess around with a bunch of random women or whatever for the rest of my life. And what they don't understand is that marriage is one of the keys to economic survival that's used all around the world uh, that protects you. Uh, when you have two people, when you have a teammate, life is much easier when you have a teammate. That's why I talk about relationships so much, you know, on this platform and people don't understand it. People who are playing checkers don't get it. Checker players don't get it. I'm playing chess. You know, ch chess involves the king and the queen. Check there is no king and there is no queen in checkers. Everybody is a pawn pretty much. Right. So uh, basically, um, if you're talking about playing chess in life, think carefully about who your partners are in your life. Now, I'm not talking about just formal marriage. That's one option, right? There is also uh, just having the right people around you, right? They can, they can have your back economically. Uh, you know, one of the great things, um, one of the benefits economically of, of marriage, for example, is that when we have, when my wife and I have a problem, we're able to work on it together. So we can tag team the problem. She says, okay, you do this and I'll do that. Or you watch the kids while I do that. Or I'll say, okay, well, you watch the kids while I'll go bring home the bacon. Right. Or if I lose my money, my income, then your income will have my back. You see, that's a, a basic financial concept called diversification. Diversification basically means that you have a plan B. It's like uh, in the NFL, they diversify. Why do you think the NFL will pay a backup quarterback tens of millions of dollars? Right. Why would you if you already have a quarterback? You've already got your, you know, your, 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 uh, you know, your, your Tom Brady or your Russell Wilson or whatever. Why would you pay, you know, why would you sign your backup quarterback to a 30, 40, $50 million contract? It's, is, isn't that wasted money? That's crazy. No, no, that's insurance. <laughs> that's your plan B. Your plan B is what protects you in case uh, your plan A doesn't quite work out in case Russell, you know, breaks his knee. Right. So effectively, uh, a lot of our folks aren't trained on these basic ideas early. And so that's why you see people in situations where they're vulnerable. The lowest net worth in America is that of a single black mother with children. It, I just, I'm, I'm not making fun of them or anything like that. I understand life happens, right? We get it. We totally get it. My mama was a single mama. So Lord knows I ain't never going to be one of those guys talking bad about single mamas because I don't talk bad about my mama. But uh, there's a reason why the single black mother's net worth is so low. 
uh, the median net worth. It's, it's because uh, it's harder to get these things done, wealth building and everything else, when you don't have teammates and partners that can help you out. Uh, right there with her is the single black father, the guy that maybe has you know four or five kids or three or four kids with different women or whatever. And the child support eats away at his wealth to the point he doesn't have anything. So then he gets in his 30s or 40s and he says, OK, I want to settle down. I don't want to be I don't want to be a player no more. So I'm going to get me a wife now and do it the normal way. Well, the problem is that his wife isn't quite getting a complete man at that point. She's getting what uh, Tiny T.I.'s wife refers to as a piece of man a piece of man is basically when you when you have a guy that's where so many pieces of him are already being taken from so many by so many other people that he doesn't have that much to contribute anymore so if 40 50 percent of his paycheck is being taken for child support then it's you know then that other half unless he's making a lot of money isn't really going to be what you'd like for it to be right so so how you structure your family is a really important part of your economic building process and, and, and development of multiple streams of income. Also, the other point that I liked about this brother's uh, confession, and I, I was reading it, is he mentioned he has sons. See, this is the thing. I I, I pick up all the little things that, that you think doesn't have anything to do with wealth, but man, it, it's, it's so important. <laughs> you got to learn how to look at the fine print. He mentioned his sons. See, people don't understand children are an asset if you if you work it right. Doesn't mean you you exploit your kids. I'm not talking about you know putting your kids on the corner and having them slanging dope or selling, you know, selling booty. And I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about like your kids, if they're raised properly, become part of your long-term financial plan. That becomes part of your retirement. Uh I'll give you an example. My mother, uh again, my mother, when I when when I was born, um, my father was not there. My, my mother was the only one in the hospital when I was born. I asked her, I said, how many, who was in the hospital when I was there? Like who was waiting for me to be born? And she said, nobody, it was me, you and the nurse. That's it. Like just imagine a cold hospital room, you know, where it's just a little young scared, scared girl and some white lady. <laughs> and this, and then this little baby named Boyce comes out. Right. And that's it. And then she went and, uh, and uh, they, uh, some relatives had said they were going to pick her up. And so she took me, the little newborn baby down and they waited on the cor- on the street corner for somebody to pick her up and take her home. Right. And uh, that's how alone she was when she first came into the world. And uh, so, so here's the deal, right? So my mother had, had friends who had kids at the same time, you know, you know how you have young girls that sometimes will all get pregnant at the same time. There's actually biological reasons for that. When women are really close friends, their menstrual cycles start to kind of connect. And so there's something about their fertility patterns that actually start connecting when they're really close. Just a little stupid factoid in case you're interested, you can go look it up. And um, anyway, so her, a bunch of her friends had babies, you know, so these were my little play cousins. Anybody else have play cousins growing up, right? So I grew up and I had these play cousins and uh, here's the thing, you know, so my, when I was about three, my mother met my father who uh, became my dad. He adopted me and he took me up as his own and I uh, love him. I don't even call him my stepfather because he's more than that to me. And uh, he taught me certain things or whatever. And he, and they, they always raised us in a way that was different from a lot of my play cousins. They, they got kind of got us away from stuff that they saw that, that, that they didn't like, right. They, my parents were big on things like personal responsibility. They were really big on education. They were really big on taking care of your household. My father was a very responsible man in the sense of providing and protecting his family, no matter what. My mother was very common sense about just don't do anything stupid or there's going to be consequences. Like just little basic things I learned as a kid. So, so my mother would get me in these little programs. You know, she was a school, school counselor. So she would put me in these little programs. I was a terrible kid. I I had bad grades in school. My grades were like garbage. Like I'm talking about like, like straight F's, like all, all D's and F's or whatever. And uh, but she would put me in these little programs and my sister and stuff like that. And my brother, 
And uh, and we just kind of they kind of gave us these values that make us a little bit different, even in adulthood. Like if I have conversations, sometimes I'd, I'd literally piss people off because I see the world so different. And that's because my parents just raised us different. And they would just sort of look at the world and say, look at these people failing. Right. Look at the look at that person. Look at look at why this not working out for them. And then then they, they we would break it down and they would explain why it didn't work out. It might be because of alcohol and drugs. That's why I stayed away from alcohol and drugs. It might be because they didn't they chose not to get an education. It might be because they chose to just make bad decisions. It might be because they chose not to save their money. It might be because they chose not to to think about their credit score or whatever the case may be. Right. And and what this did was this created like a way of thinking in our family where we were raised uh, by our parents to be assets instead of liabilities, right? Uh, you contrast that to a lot of friends that I saw growing up, the, again, some of my play cousins, where they would get to 30, 40, 50 years old, and they were borrowing money from their parents, right? Hey, hey mama, I need money to, you know, can you bail me out of jail? Hey, mama, can you pay my child support because the, this girl over here tripping and she's trying to, you know, get, she's trying to take money out of my job or, you know, whatever. Or, or can you come and help me with the kids because I had three kids with three terrible men and I can't afford to take care of them, right? I saw these sorts of things, right? And we didn't really have that issue like in our family. So here's what's happened now, right? Now that my parents are older, me, my brother, and my sister come through for them in every way that they want. Like anything that they need, we will deliver for them. If they want a new house, we get a new house. If they want a new car, they, they get a new car. If they want to get the kitchen redone, the money's coming, right? And and that, and that made me reflect on how your children, some of y'all are smart. Some of y'all are raising great children. Some of you are raising your kids with a certain type of value system. Uh, in fact, that's why my next book is actually called The Ten Commandments of Black Economic Power. And the reason um, I, I want to write this book is the focus is on uh, the, the family as a, as a centerpiece of black wealth and economic power, the one that's kind of overlooked. And it's also an explanation in terms of why they worked so hard to destroy your families. So when I hear this brother talk about his sons, um, and he started off the sentence by saying, assalamu alaikum, which tells me um, he's, he's maybe from the Muslim community. Maybe he's nation of Islam. I have a lot of nation of Islam brothers and sisters that follow me. You know, Hebrew Israelites, shout out to them. It, just the Moorish community, just a lot of communities that are a little bit off the grid, which I think is awesome. Plus, you have a lot of black folks who went to college and got all the advanced degrees like I did. And shout out to you, too. But but I like that because that tells me that he's probably not raising his sons to be losers. That's my point. His sons are probably being raised in a way where his kids are going to come through for him no matter what. Well, don't underestimate the fact that that is part of your retirement plan. That can be part of your wealth building strategy. When, when you invest in your kids and you raise your kids to be responsible, reliable, intelligent, capable, hardworking human beings, you are giving yourself long term economic security. By by putting by surrounding yourself with other economic soldiers that are always going to have your back no matter what. There is no greater, no, no more effective business partner that I've ever had in my life than a really good relative that you can depend on. I, I, I want to emphasize that. Like, so don't don't write off your quality relatives. That's part of your wealth process. You can figure things out together. You can figure out how to make money together. You can figure out how to succeed together. You you are more likely to succeed together. You're better off in in this game of wealth with teammates because wealth building is a team sport. In a team sport, you're more likely to win if you have teammates. So uh, so getting into this idea that it's it's me and mine and I'm going to do it by myself and I don't need nobody else. I'm a strong black woman who don't need no man. And I'm a, ba- I'm, I'm a man who I don't need these women and blah, 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 blah. Like that's not really good. That's re- you're reducing your likelihood of being successful. And so maybe the conversation should be shifted to say, 
instead of saying, you know, I don't need no woman, maybe it's I need to have the right woman. Or instead of saying, oh, well, I don't need men, maybe it's I need to make sure I'm very careful about choosing the right man to be next to me. Right. So so all those factors play a part in how your wealth gets built and stuff like that. So um, anyway, uh, by the way, um, in case you guys were interested, uh, I want to remind you, we actually have a book club. Uh, and we're right now we're reading Black Labor, White Wealth by Dr. Claude Anderson. We're going through the book with a fine tooth comb and uh, we're on page 32, uh, where we talk about uh, political power and how political power was stacked against the black community and how to overcome that. And also um, how the number of black elected officials actually did not improve living conditions for black people. This is really fascinating. Here's a whole chart that shows that despite the fact that we have, and I'm sure Sharice Lane will appreciate that. Sharice is in the chat. I see you. And she's asking, why am I up this late? And I, I explained that at the beginning, but but I, I won't bore anybody with it, with another explanation. But but yeah, just, just go to the beginning. I, I talk about that for a second, and um and then also black self empowerment, uh, the importance of power for black people. Organized and power will come. So that's what we're reading. That's where we are right now in this book. So if you want to join us, you can actually um join the book club and actually get free access to my life class uh just for this month. Uh, the life class actually is a thousand dollars, but you can join for free. I decided to let anybody in for free that was eager and wanted to learn. So uh, you can go to blackkeystogreatness.com. That's blackkeystogreatness.com. That's the URL on the screen if you're interested. Okay, guys. So uh, uh, and one more thing I want to mention, too, is uh, you guys know we make our own movies. And, uh, and I mentioned to you all that relationships are really important for wealth and success and things like that. So we have become absolutely obsessed for the last four years with uh, helping black folks learn to love each other and care about each other and help each other out. So um, the latest uh, film in our series that we have called The Black Love Blueprint is called Till Death Do Us Part. And what we wanted was we wanted a real solution for the relationship issues that our, our community faces. And so what we did was we found six black couples that have been married for at least 30 years. Uh, these are the veterans in our community, uh, the relationship veterans in our community, the black love veterans, if you want, the OGs uh, that actually have the knowledge that I think we need to have to understand what that looks like. And so um, this week we're meeting a couple, um, uh, I want to say uh, the right, the right family. And they've been married for 33 years and they survived. Uh, in fact, their marriage has survived the death of their son, uh, which I look forward to. Uh, Tyrone and Jackie, I think that's their names. And so uh, we, we took the film, we chopped it into six pieces. So we're doing this over six weeks and the film does not cost you anything to watch. It's totally free. And uh, all you have to do is, but you, you got to watch it live with us, right? So join us for Black Movie Night and the URL is blackmovienight.net. That's blackmovienight.net. It's right there on the screen and you can register now and uh, join us and so after we watch that segment of the film, which is about a little over 20 minutes, uh, we, so we took the whole film and chopped it into six pieces because we felt like it needed to be watched over a six-week period, not all at once. And uh, so this is going to be the focus on the right. So after the film's done, we're going to bring in Tierra K.J. Williams, the director of the film. We're going to bring in the rights the, to talk about their 33-year marital journey. And then we're also going to bring in my wife, Dr. Alicia, who is a relationship, a licensed relationship therapist, to kind of talk through what she saw uh, in the right story and how that works for you. So if you're interested, feel free to go to blackmovienight.net. The only time we can give it away for free is if you watch it live. After that, there, there will be a cost because we got to make our money back, right? We have to at some point uh, get, you know, make back the investment that we made. We put into the film. It costs us tens of thousands of dollars to make this movie. So I'm super excited about it. And uh, we've been working on this for several years and uh, we want it to be released to as many people as possible. So that's why we're doing the free screening. So feel free to join us at blackmovienight.net. Okay, guys. All right. So uh, hit the thumbs up button, hit the share button, hit the subscribe button. I'm going to get out of here. It is late. 
late. And, uh, and as, as Sharice mentioned, um, I need to be in the bid. So I'm going to go to bid. I got to get ready for stock market class tomorrow anyway. So uh, the blackstockmarketprogram.com. If you want to join us and the stock market is your thing, uh, feel free to go to the blackstockmarketprogram.com. The first month is free. And the URL is, uh, is well, I don't have it on the screen, but it's the blackstockmarketprogram.com. I would put it on the screen, but I don't have it um, written down somewhere. All right, guys. So have a good night. And uh, it was awesome. And um, and if you want to leave your Black Wealth Confession, feel free to go to blackwealthconfessions.com. And I'll just kind of respond to a couple confessions every couple of days and, and put them on Financial Juneteenth TV. So have a good night. <clears throat> I'll see you guys soon. Take care. Peace.